Hey, this is Bobby Gustafson, and you're listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Hey, 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 it is I, Dr. Sick. That's right, I got a stupid cold. And with me, as always, is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wally from Kasha Cuckoo. That's true. To Shy Shy, come on. Hush, hush. Hush, hush, how do I? You heard that? Now you know I ain't lying. That sounded just like <laughs> that. That's the guy, man, with the George Lynch haircut. And, uh, yeah, we are uh, the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, a podcast that, check out how we run this podcast, all right? This this is how we do it, all right? We record the podcast, and uh, I edit it. I send it to Ian. Ian uploads, and this is what Ian does. He uploads it on Podbeam and iTunes, and he puts it on different groups. Am I correct? That's how you do it, right? You are correct, sir. You don't tag people, do you? No. No. No, That shit's annoying. I hate when people tag me. I hate it. I get so many fucking tags. Now, if you want to tag me like, hey, here's a video of you performing with Thrasher Die in in Costa Rica or, or, you know, in my backyard or whatever, okay, that's fine because it's my band. It has something to do with me. But don't tag me on podcasting. Seriously, man. Because, God, it's annoying. And, and here's, and this happened to me today, another thing, and it's, it's rant time, yes. Um, I get a friend request from some guy, some dude, and I add everybody, because especially if the dude has long hair, you know, I figure, okay, he's, either he likes, he likes my band or he's a headbanger or whatever, and he saw a comment on me. So I add this guy, moments later, the guy sends me a message, check out his band. <coughs> like Ian, you will never... I mean, ever see me send people links to my band. I was never this way ever, even when Thrasher and I first started. I never, ever, ever tagged people, unless they were personal friends of mine that liked Thrasher and I, that heard us, hey, look, check out, you know, but a stranger, fuck that. This is how I do the Thrasher and I thing. I post it on my page, I post it in a group, whatever. I don't tag people, dude. And let me tell you something. The reason that Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is as successful as as it is, not as successful as many podcasts out there, but, you know, we do it by grassroots. We just, like Lemmy says in Decline of Western Civilization, one of the greatest lines ever, put it up a flagpole and see who salutes. You know what I mean? So the way that fucking... The way I do things, the way Ian does things, and it's funny because I never told Ian to do it that way. I guess, you know, uh, retarded minds think alike. He 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 right. ju- he just puts it on uh, on groups. I think that's the best yeah. way to do it because tagging people is annoying. I mean, I get annoyed because, oh my God, I get so, you know, and I know, ah, look at, look at Dr. Fuck crying. That's right, I'm a bitch. Shut up. Tune out if you don't like bitch conversation. I just don't like it. I really hate it. So please, everybody, do not tag me in podcasts. I don't give a fuck about your band. 
Because if your band is really good, don't worry about it. It's an awesome band, and I'll get to hear it eventually. Give it time. I'll find out. Um, and don't fucking... Please don't tag me on stupid shit. I, I mean, I get the most stupidest thing. Like, oh, look, here's a, here's a picture of a bat. Uh, wondering, oh my god, I hope Ozzy don't get me. Please don't send me shit like that. Thank you. Yeah, um, I don't tag people. Uh, you know, when I when I do the uh, when I do the, the the podcast things, I mean, I post. I've joined like hundreds of groups, uh, but still, I kind of watch. Like, if we have an episode, like you know, we've done off bands, like we've done, you know, the Rolling Stones and. <clears throat> you know, cheap tricks, stuff that's not considered metal. And if if one week we have an episode like that, I'm not going to post it in a thrash group. You know, just because, you know, I don't want to hear the bullshit, you know. I'll find other groups that like cheap trick and I'll post it in there. Or, or you know, groups that are like, you know, fans of all metal genres. Okay, then you're telling me, as long as it's metal, I'll put it in there. But I kind of... I try to watch where I put it because I've got into arguments with people. I've had people bitch. And I don't have time for that shit. So if I don't think it appeals to a certain group, uh, I won't even waste my time. Now, what I do do for my radio show, though, is I do invite uh, people that are friends and fans. You know, I I do an event uh, each week. And I'll invite people to that. But, you know, if anybody ever has an issue with that, just, just say... Hey, uh, you know, don't invite me to this every week. Hey, you only got to tell me once. And I'll be like, hey, cool, I get that. But, yeah, I don't tag people and shit. I never got into that. I don't either. But uh, I, 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 I have something to promote. I, I, I promote it on my page or my group pages. That's it. Right. Like the other day, uh, no, it was like over a month ago. I forgot who it was. and he, Whoever it was, I'm sure is listening because it's a fan of our show. Posted something in the Black Sabbath group, a podcast. And I was like... Please just leave this Black Sabbath, and then and, and the person goes, "Well, they talk about Black Sabbath, but it's not a Black Sabbath podcast. If it's mentioned Black Sabbath, I don't give a fuck, you know. But if it's a podcast that's strictly about Black Sabbath, yeah, go ahead, I don't mind. If it's a podcast strictly about uh, Van Halen, put it on my Van Halen page. Strictly about Kiss, yes, that's fine. But if it's a fucking mishmash of a hey, '70s rock, don't put it in any of my groups, please." The best place to put it is up your fucking ass sideways. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, you know what I got this week? You got uh, herpes? <laughs> you know what else I got this week? Herpes? <laughs> an iTunes review. iTunes? That shit's still on? Yes. And... yes. I thought it was going to go away like the iPod. <laughs> I got an iTunes review, and Ralph, you will love this one because it's all about you. Fuck yeah. Well, is it good, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm sensitive. Remember that. <laughs> this is a five-star review by Andrew Maradis entitled, Better Than Your Podcast. <laughs> yeah. I like this guy. And, and podcast, take note. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to this Andrew guy. Says, he knows what he's talking about. Andrew says, and I quote, I've been following Ralph's channels on YouTube for almost three years now and have always enjoyed his reviews on music. Now I'm proud to have been a part of the Rocket Metal Combat podcast family for over a year now. 
keep it up, guys, and don't you even think about quitting anytime soon. So, thank you, Andrew Moratis. Uh, no, he could have kissed my ass a little more than that, though. Yeah, but he's he's all here because of you and all your YouTube channels. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I was expecting That's... him to talk about how, you know, kick-ass my bands are and how handsome I was. But, you know, I'll take, I'll take it, you know. I've heard better. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Andrew. Well, Thank you so much. It's just me being my... This is Sober Ralph. But can, can you imagine if I heard that shit while I was fucking fucked up? I'd, we, we'd be going on an hour how much I want to lather this guy's ass for real. With my tongue. And he doesn't even have to wipe beforehand. But I'm sober yeah. now, so I have to act like, you know, Mr. Mr. Ego. So so stay tuned for those Friday night podcasts. Where yeah, yeah. Get good yeah. Ian, write down the guy's name and bring it up while I'm drunk. So we can do a whole <laughs> segment on how much this guy fucking rules and how much I love him. And I and I'm Roger like, I'm totally heterosexual, but he's the only person I will go gay for. <laughs> uh, well, I, I was just gonna say to the fans that yeah, we had a marathon recording session, and unfortunately, Ralph was sober. But yeah. uh, we got not only a podcast episode that you're gonna hear next week. We also uh, Ralph, the editing master made a separate video for the Almost Human page, but he put one on our very own Rock and Metal Combat podcast page. I haven't heard it yet sober, but apparently it's Ralph and I being very vulgar and very dirty, so it's going to be right up your guys' alley. And, and let me tell you and, something. Uh, let me tell you something, Ian. I put up that Almost Human uh, thing two days ago. It's at 796 views. That's pretty that's good, amazing. huh? For two days? Is that better oh, yeah. than is that better than podcast numbers in that time frame? Oh yes. Oh wow. yes. Wow. I was just gonna say hats off to you for, for editing it and putting it up there and it just helps us reach a larger audience. Well, this is something that I, I'm kinda of depressed about because I just checked something out right now. Um, I went on the on the podcast YouTube page and the cutting room floor that I put up yesterday is at sixty seven views. And okay. that's, that's very sad. So we need people like Andrew Jacobs to tag a lot of people. <laughs> tag everybody. Everybody out there, tag all your friends about our YouTube right. page. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast YouTube page. We need a lot of subscribers because check out what I have. All right. I'm putting up a lot of episodes now, but man, coming up soon, we got, we got the unedited. Scott Green episode where I really I am so I'm so bad I'm so horrible to Scott Green that I ended up editing a lot of it out because I felt horrible how I was treating him on the show well the YouTube version is going to have it unedited I I, I think what happened (coughs) with with the combat podcast page is we started out real strong and then because everything was getting banned yeah uh, you know we didn't give it the attention uh, you know, and plus, I mean, you know, you, you can never count out the KISS nerds, how many people just join because it's KISS related, but, uh, but I encourage all the listeners of the podcast, check out the YouTube page, because even, I, I think it's a great way, uh, for you to revisit some of your favorite episodes, because of all the awesome visuals, and if it's something you already know you like, or it could be an episode that you missed, and, and what a way to discover it. Uh, you know, with all the great video and audio stuff that you add to it. And anybody <coughs> who listens to this stuff, you know how Ralph does his videos. 
you know how outstanding it is. Well, he puts that same dedication and that same professionalism into these. So anybody that loves this will definitely enjoy those. Yes. Yeah, so please, I mean, yeah, please. So, so spread the word and of the YouTube page. And believe me, there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to put up on there that that's not going to be on the, the regular page. That's just as good, too. It's just because of time restraints, I have to cut some good stuff out. <coughs> All right, well, uh, how about the news? What's up with the news this week, Ian? Oh, boy, here's something that's interesting. You know, back when rock and roll was more popular uh, in pop culture, rock got blamed for all kinds of shit, you know? But then uh, as rock's popularity went down, everything got blamed on rap. Well, now it's back to rock and roll again as uh, <laughs> a man listening to Guns N' Roses killed his ex-girlfriend while <laughs> singing I used to love her but I had to kill her I was about to say that I was about to say he used to love her wow that's funny <laughs> yes that's crazy was that yeah, a blabbermouth guy... today yes uh, and this is in Orange County California uh, the trial just started and apparently uh, he was drinking vodka and taking prescription pills and singing that Guns N' Roses classic Right before he borrowed a pistol and shot his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend. Wow. So uh, let, let's see how how promptly uh, Guns N' Roses is featured in this trial. But hey, Rock is back in the news. <laughs> That's not cool, killing killing your ex-girlfriend. You know why? Why? Ah uh, man, I can't think of nothing witty. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I, no, 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 no. I got you know. You know why? You know why? What? Oh fuck! You said why while I farted. Forget it. Oh, this one. That was a. That it, it was a foul ball. <laughs> oh well. It's not cool uh, having girlfriends. Period. Come on, man. You see, now this guy's got to spend his whole fucking life in jail because he needed a partner. He can't be alone. Wiggy, wiggy, wiggy. Would you be my girlfriend, David? Dude, be single like me, man. You end up killing no chicks. But you fuck multiple chicks. There, there, there. I saved that one. Yeah. You know what's worse than killing your ex-girlfriend? What? Getting he caught. <laughs> getting caught killing her? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it's even worse getting caught singing Guns N' Roses. That's God right. damn it. Should have sang some Slayer. I heard I heard when he's going to be in court, he's going to recite the lyrics to Out to Get Me. <laughs> I'm fucking innocent! No, I, I I heard he's gonna start quoting uh, Chinese democracy and claiming sanity. Hey, come on, man, that's a All dig right. at me because hey, everybody, go listen to the Chinese democracy show, which I believe is on YouTube too. All right, well, going from a guy who can still sing uh, to something really sad that breaks my heart, and that's these videos that have come out from the uh, docking reunion. Oh my God, oh. man, I'm telling you something. I have never in my life of witnessing downgrades have seen more of a downgrade than this documentary. Holy fuck, does this guy not try? I mean, how can you possibly agree to do a reunion? And you know, a lot there's a lot of money being paid to go up there and do it beyond half ass. It ain't even half ass. It's no ass. Okay. Okay, well I, I, I have a theory. I have I, I'm very much a conspiracy theory guy. Uh, across the board, you know, I don't think, I don't think uh, Oswald killed Kennedy. 
I'm not convinced we landed on the moon. And I don't think Don Dockin is trying here. And I think he's doing a half-assed job on purpose. And the reason I say that is I saw Dockin um, a few years ago. I saw the scab Dockin. Still had Mick Brown, but it had John Levin. And I can't remember. I think it might have been Sean McNabb uh, was playing bass at the time. But I saw them at a casino. It was like an 80s cock rock festival. Maybe it's because I was really drunk, but I was waiting for Dockin to sound horrible. I had never seen Dockin. I was like, man, he doesn't sound that bad. What is everybody bitching about? I thought he sounded good. And he was animated and moved around the stage. Mick Brown was telling stories and singing along. I mean, it was a really good show. I was like, wow. And, of course, I mean, I mean, what, you know, I always say my favorite three out of the 80s is George Lynch, Warren Demartini, and Jakey Lee. And, you know, oh my God, to see them together, and the band sounds tight as hell. Yeah. But Don Dockin, it's, it's really, I think he's so pissed that he can't get this kind of reception for his new version of Dockin, but everybody wants George Lynch back. Uh, I think he's doing it half-ass on purpose. What do you think, Ralph? No. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Maybe you were a little too drunk, Ian, because I saw Dockin like four years ago, and it was just right. as bad as that. Uh, okay, well, let me, let, me, let, let me say something real quick. Uh, Don Dockin did admit in an interview... Uh, something he didn't release publicly was that he was going through cancer. Stomach cancer. For, yeah, he was going through cancer four years ago, and he said he was so beat down, yeah. he shouldn't have been on the road, and he fully admitted that those shows were bad. Uh, but he said since then, he goes, anybody <coughs> who comes to my shows can tell you there's a difference between then and now. And I saw him, you know, two years after you, and honest, again, hey, I fully admit I was loaded, but what I saw that night was not what I see on YouTube. So, uh, but, but but go ahead and, and, and talk about when you saw him. You, you weren't happy, huh? No, and I, I, you know what? And I will have to like you know take your word for it, and I'll and I will do a little investigating on YouTube and look at any performance that he did recently with his other lineup to see if he could like hit some notes like. Dude, Kiss of Death was terrible. And breaking oh, the chains, like breaking the chain. It was just really bad. I also want to bring up another point. Now, this is somebody I'm going to give a plug to. Uh, he's incredible, and and I am honored to say. So I heard, I heard from somebody. This guy do, started doing reviews because of me, and honestly, I think this guy blows me away. I think he's the greatest reviewer on YouTube. Uh, he goes by wow. the name, yeah, he goes, you gotta check this guy out, he's fucking great. He, he goes by the name, uh, Razor Fist, and his reviews are called Metal Mythos, or something like that. Okay. And he brought up a very interesting point. Now this guy, he's really into, like, black metal, death metal, all this shit, but he loves docking. I mean, loves docking. And, right. uh... He brought up some interesting points, and I've always thought this, but I never really said this, because it's kind of weird to say it. But he showed little examples, and he's so right. 
Dude, this John Lennon guy does George Lynch better than George Lynch. Because George Lynch, they showed it back to back. George Lynch doing Into the Fire now. Then they showed John Lennon doing it. Dude, John Lennon does it like the album. George Lynch doesn't. George Lynch is, is great. He's fantastic. He's still awesome. But this John Lennon guy is so underrated because he's in the shadow of George Lynch. And he's amazing, dude. He's a really amazing fucking uh, uh, singer. And, and I just want to plug this guy. Check out his review on Dawkins. Especially well, if you love Doc and you'll love that review. Well, one one thing you, you can say to that is, uh, it's it's like Tommy Thayer. Tommy Thayer plays old Kiss songs more note for note than Ace does. Yeah, but you know what? It's different though because Ace. Well, the the thing about Tommy Thayer though is that it doesn't have that that swagger. And I like Ace's sloppiness. I think it adds charisma. Where this guy, where Ace Fraley is not technically proficient, where George Lynch is. So you expect nothing but the best from George Lynch. You expect Ace to be sloppy. You know what I mean? But uh, and I don't like hearing I don't like hearing Ace Fraley solos perfectly done by a guy in Ace Fraley makeup. I'd rather hear him do a sloppy solo. Well, well right. But what I'm saying though is he doesn't. Tommy doesn't, whether you like him or not, right. Tommy doesn't like you hear it on the record. Ace doesn't. I'd still rather hear Ace. And, and of course, because I'm such a George Gunswinger, I watched, uh, you know, the new footage. I think George sounds amazing, and I love how he... It, it doesn't have to be note for note. I want George to go crazy. So I think it's kind of the same situation where you got... You know, anybody can do a copy if you if you're technically proficient. But to be original is is where it's hard. And I'm not taking anything away from John John Levin as a guitar player. Just like I don't take anything away from Tommy Thayer as a guitar player. You know, it's, it's just the, the the makeup thing that drives me fucking nuts. <coughs> uh, oh, true, true. But, I'm a hundred percent behind you on that one. But uh, you know, you know. But here's another thing. You know, Don Dawkins said in many interviews, uh, like the last time they played together, uh, Don was asking George, like, what's your fucking problem? Why are you so mad? And he said that, you know, George pointed to the Dawkins logo. And he's like, that's why I'm mad. You know, he, hinting that George George is mad because the band's called Dawkins. And and not, you know, like it's, it's overemphasizing Don Dawkins. But the curious thing is, while I'm watching these shows, the first thing I notice as I'm scrolling down the videos is you go into a couple songs, and what's George Lynch playing? But an ESP with the uh, Lynch Mob that covered the first Lynch Mob <coughs> on the guitar. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if that cost some shit. But then as they pan back, I see the backdrop for Dokken, and it's the backdrop for the... Uh, uh, not the last Dokken album, but the one before that. Not Breaking Bones. Oh, uh, Lightning Strikes Twice. Yes, yes. It's it's the cover of Lightning Strikes Twice. <laughs> Lightning Strikes Again, so, I think. Yeah, yeah, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, Lightning whatever. Good album. But, but I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, is this these two, like, petty jabs at each other? Like, okay, Dokken brings out the new Dokken album cover... So then George Lynch is like, well, fuck you, I'm playing a Lynch mob guitar. 
And I really think it's a case of these two guys will never get along. And I really think that this is Don Dockett purposely doing a shitty job. Just but, my but, but 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 at the same time, it's like, dude, how are you helping your your fucking John Levin lineup? People are gonna see that going. Well, I'm not gonna go see uh, Dockett. He sucks now. Yeah, I I don't I don't think he really cares because whether whether this is true or it's some kind of false bravado to make himself seem better, apparently Don Dockett and you'll see him bragging in a lot of interviews lately, uh, on Eddie Trunk and a bunch of stuff. Uh, he does not need the money. I believe he's married now to a woman <laughs> that has money. And, and I think he has a business outside of the music business that, that brings... He, I think he makes such a good income that he doesn't have to rely on docking. So he really only does it just for the pleasure. And, of course, when he does scab docking, he gets the majority of the cash. Whereas on this tour... Supposedly, they split it four ways. Well, how about we get to our review with a first-time guest? All right, yeah. Well, technically a first-time guest well, on, well, on a review. First, yes, first time. He, he was part of our, our Prince Round Tribute, uh, Round Table Tribute, that you weren't part of, but first time being on an episode with, uh, with you and I, and that's Vincent Cavanaugh, and we're going to talk about Motorheads. Bastards. You know what's the best part of this review? Uh, I love at the end when, when I found out he was the one that put up that Lemmy meme that pissed me off. I didn't know it was him the whole time. <laughs> I like that part of the review. That's when I was like, yeah, that was you. All right. You got you to stick around for that part. This is a good review uh, even up to that point. But check it out. It's very good. Rock and roll. All right. Now it's time to review the Motorhead 1992. Three? 93. 93. 93 classic. Motorheads, bastards, uh, and uh, Ian, give us the, tell us who is going to review it with us. We have a brand new co-host, I mean special guest. Right here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Long time listener, uh, he was part of our Prince Roundtable tribute that you were part of, but you did an amazing job editing, Ralph. Uh, Vincenzo Cavanaugh is here for a regular episode at... Vincent, we are so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us today. What's up, guys? All right. Good to be with you. Hell yeah, man. Good, good to have you here. Uh, a brand new co-host, which is great. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, Bastards. And uh, Vincent, since you are our guest, why don't you tell us and everybody out there uh, your first exposure to Bastards. Uh, when did you first hear it? I heard a couple of songs back in the 90s when it came out and um, you know everything they've basically put out it's like always makes you get standard attention I've always loved everything that um, Lemmy had to offer and I really still wish he was here today because you know reviewing this and going over everything on it it's like it brought back all these memories of uh, you know how great a lyricist he was oh yeah uh, how about you, Ian? Uh, this is one I didn't get when it came out. Uh, you know, I, I came on board with the Rock and Roll album and, uh, you know, had Ace of Spades. But when 1916 came out, uh, I wasn't really feeling it. was listening to different shit at the time. And 
really got back into uh, Motorhead in the late 90s. That's when I became a lifer. Uh, saw him live for the first time on, uh, I believe it was the Snakebite Love Tour. And uh, then I got the amazing, amazing live album they put out. Everything louder than every everything else, and I, I highly recommend that. But uh, there were there were songs off of that, uh, I mean off of Bastards that were on that live album, and absolutely loved it. And it kind of reinvigorated my love for Motorhead because I was like, wow, these guys are pretty long in the tooth to putting out new songs that were this fucking good. And then after that, I got the uh, the box set that they put out. And, you know, it you know, goes chronologically. But, you know, as I'm getting to the later discs, usually that's when most box sets get kind of weak. Uh, and, and I noticed, like, this resurgence. Like, as it, as it got newer, it got even heavier and better. And that's when I was like, man, I need to go back and check out these, these albums um, I overlooked. And that's when I went back and bought Bastards. And I think this is a really important album because this is where, to me... They found their sound that would carry them on to the end. Uh, while I enjoyed 1916, really hate the production. I, I think it's their worst. Well, maybe the next one's the worst sounding album. But in 1916 and March or Die uh, were just kind of gloss, too glossy for Motorhead. Motorhead should be dirty, and yep. th this is the first album. Uh, where Mickey D was a full-time member. He just played on some tracks of March or Die. And uh, you got the lineup here that only did two albums. The lineup of uh, Lemmy, uh, Phil Campbell, Wurzel, and Mickey D. And this really kind of, they just gelled on this. And I think they got even better, uh, actually, on the next album, Sacrifice, even though Wurzel wasn't really as involved in that album as he was in this one. But to me, this album started the blueprint of the resurgence uh, of Motorhead. And, and just for that alone, I think it's very important. How about you, Ralph? Well, I think the reason, well, uh, I think Bastards is like an amazing album. Uh, and I think the reason why, uh, you know, uh, to piggyback what you were saying, um, 1916 and March or Die, Motorhead was signed to Sony. And you can tell, listening to those albums, that Lemmy was under pressure. You need, you know, you're, you're with a big company and you need a hit. And that's why they did Cat Scratch Fever and, you know, uh, you know and, but even though I think 1916 has more balls and, and is more Motorhead-ish than uh, March or Die, it still was a little, like you were saying, it wasn't as adventurous and dirty as your usual motorhead album. And um, where Bastard is uh, them, I'm, I, I believe they're already away from Sony. You can tell yes. Lemmy's kind of pissed on this album, the attitude on this album. It sounds like a guy that's just had enough of record companies and uh, saying, you know what? Motorhead's gonna be Motorhead. Where I don't really see this album as uh, you know, a departure of Motorhead or Motorhead. It is Motorhead Reborn, but it's not them really like stepping out of the box from what they were doing before 1916. Because I hear all of them, so you know, the, the, the fast drumming and 
shit like that has been lacking the double bass from the last couple albums where I don't know and and yes you are right from this this point on Motorhead never ever like slowed down ever again it, it just, they just became true to what they what they are and I feel like 1916 even though I love that album March or Die is probably my least favorite album from Motorhead and along with uh, Snakebite Love actually um, but Snakebite Love is still more real you know, that, that, that's just an album I think that was just thrown together where March or Die I think was strategically trying to you know sell records and where this album it's like you know, I, you know you think about it I mean a lot of people think fucked over but man Motorhead's been fucked over so bad because how many live albums that Lemmy didn't fucking want out how many compilations, how many box sets, how many everything, DVDs, there's a lot of shit that were released from crummy deals he signed back then, and, uh, you know, he just kept getting fucked over, fucked over, fucked over, and I think by the time he got into Bastards, and now he finally had a solid lineup, because Filthy was like, you know, not really there, and the album before was uh, Tommy Aldridge and Mickey D playing drums on the album. Well, this time they finally got a solid lineup and they really did their homework and they said, let's take advantage of this amazing drummer. And uh, and also, I mean, some of Lemmy's best lyrics are in Fast Yeah, uh, Oh, yeah. He really does write some amazing lyrics on this album. He's just fucking pissed. It's a pissed off album. It really is. It's, it's really an angry album. And it shows. Yeah. It shows because of what they've been through, you know? So uh, who wants to take the first track? Uh, Vincenzo, since you are our guest, uh, why don't you talk about the first one, On Your Feet or On Your Knees? Yeah, this is a angry song. He just comes out, out of the gate on fire on this one. You know, um, no guitar solo on it. Great chorus to yell like when you're at a show. And um, Lemmy felt that it sums up the feeling of the album. It's a great opener that basically has a lot of... Um, puts a lot of fist of frustration in everybody's face. I started already drinking, I guess. <laughs> he was going to call this record Devils, too. Right. And um, Phil left during the recording sessions. Oh, um, did he? What? He, oh, oh. Um, he left during the sessions of this. and then Phil, Phil Campbell? Yeah, uh, Filthy Animal Taylor left oh, during the sessions. Oh, Filthy Animal. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. I thought he was already gone by this point. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought he, he left during March or Die. I think he was a part of it, but then this was when he was, this was when they were phasing out. Oh, okay. That's what I found. That's what I found. Oh, okay. Well, um, I love this song, too. The, uh, the lyrics on this song is fucking amazing. You know, you know what's weird is, uh, I was listening to the song today, and I'm, and I'm driving, listening to this, and I'm thinking to myself, Lemmy was such a brilliant lyricist. Like, he really did write, like, amazing lyrics. But there, there, the Lemmy movie, <laughs> you know the Lemmy movie, there's that part where he's singing about, you know, you have to own a MasterCard. You know, it's, right. like, it's like so unlike Lemmy, it's kind of lame. And I've heard people say that, God, what a horrible lyrics. I'm like, yeah, but... That's like really weird, or is the word ano anomaly, when something weird happens that never happened? 
Uh, because, dude, I mean, you think Lemmy's a fucking shitty lyric, lyricist. Like, this song, and I'm, and I'm looking at the lyrics right now. Headline terror, call, crime on rise. Half ain't true, and the rest is lies. Same old smile on the same old face. Same old horse with the same old race. You humans don't make me proud. You humans don't talk too loud. You humans just ain't too smart. It's enough to break my human heart. That's, dude, that shit's fucking genius, you know? Really? And, and it's like a big middle finger to all the assholes of the human race, you know? It's a very angry song, and it's, you know, it's just like, and, and it's very Motorhead musically. It's got that Motorhead swagger, and I just love this song. It's a great opening track, dude, but you know what? There's a lot of songs on this album that could be a great opening track. And I think yeah. that's what makes this album really kick ass, because it's very fucking uh, pummeling, especially in the beginning. Uh, First th- four. Yeah. What do you think, Ian? Oh, I, I love it, and I agree, a great opener. Uh, and, and, and you hit the nail on the head. Is There's a lot of tracks on this that, that could have been an opener, but I do think they picked the best one. Uh, I would say the next song would be close, but I think this is the right choice. And I just love it. I know what the blind man sees on your feet or on your knees. That's just fucking... That is so Motorhead. And uh, <laughs> I, li- I like the lyric, you know, that... Uh, you were mentioned from the Lemmy movie, and I believe it's uh, uh, a song on Kiss of Death, where it's like, you know, couldn't you get laid with, have you ever gotten laid without a MasterCard? Yeah. And uh, I know it's an unpopular lyric, but I like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's okay. I'm not saying it's bad, but I think in Lemmy's standard, it's kind of bad. Right. You know, but like, uh, I don't, I've but, never but, heard Lemmy write lyrics like that, though. It's weird. But the, the lyrics on this is, is amazing. And, and throughout this album, there's even songs uh, that while they might not be my favorite, uh, lyrically, I think excel. And, and, you know, we'll get into that as, as, you know, the album progresses. But to me, this is a great, man, a, what a great way to start it off and, and to reclaim that Motorhead sound. And you were absolutely right. They, they were off of Sony. That was a very short-lived like sony gave him no time to like sell a million records okay you're, you know you're done you're done i you know and i think he got that contract was probably through uh you know writing uh you know the lyrics for ozzy and shit for no more tears and shit like that probably definitely helped him out you know he redid a version of hellraiser on march or die uh, but now he's back independent and they did they had a fire in their fucking belly on this one and it sucks because the band believed in this record so much, and they were signed to uh, the the name of the label was uh, ZYX, uh, a German label that that you know very poorly promoted the album. Uh, it was hard to find in the states, uh, but man, this is just them going back to like you know what do we have to lose? Let's just be us. And on your feet or on your knees is. That's Motorhead through and through. That would have fit on any of you know what the fans considered the you know the classic era albums, and uh, man, just sets up this album, you know, for everything that's coming next. And the next track is another one that oh my god, I was turned onto this again by the live album, uh, Burner. I, oh man, Here, here's another one. This this is another one I think would have been an excellent choice for an opener. Uh, and what a way to give you a one-two punch. But 
just how pummeling it is, and Mickey D on this song oh, is God, just yeah. fucking ferocious, and it gives you back the vibe of early Filthy Animal, where, you know, you're absolutely right, you know, the double drum was missing, uh, you know, on the previous albums, and it just didn't have that same, you know, kicking the boo-boo kind of feeling, but it's back with Burner, and I just love the way it goes, that he's just like, Burner, and then you know, just back to the pummeling. And it's so Motorhead. And, you know, for a band that, you know, at this age, I mean, at this time, you know, Lemmy's like officially middle-aged. And, you know, how many artists do you know that when they're in this stage of their career or at this age in their life uh, still make music this vital and this important? And he, and he just kept getting stronger for the most part on all the succeeding albums. I mean, it really is... A rebirth of Lemmy and Motorhead, and Burner is just a classic. I believe they released this. Uh, I don't know if it got actually released as a single, but they did make a video for this. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and uh, just a great track. What do you think, Vincent? The one word chorus in this song that works, but this song is everything we love about Motorhead: hard charging, fast, fierce, just that unrelenting power they just put across. Mickey D is like crazy on this on this record. I mean, especially on this track because it's not only like his double bass, but all the fills he throws in, it's just he's just assaulting. They're basically coming out, you know, all guns blazing. This is like a pit song. I mean, you hear this and you want to just jump into a freaking mosh pit. And it's hard to believe they recorded the drum tracks in three days. Wow. Three days. Wow. So and I'm surprised too, because you know this album was produced by Howard Benson, and he worked with like Bon Jovi and Creed and Three Days Grace. So it's kind of strange that you know it's it's still like Motorhead is what it is. You can't even with that kind of a producer, you can't change what they are. But right, and, th- and this is the first of four albums they did with Howard Benson, and and I love them all. And it's not as glossy as all the other bands he produced. You know, he, he let just let. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it shows. He did a great job. Yeah. yeah what do you this. think, Ralph? Well, uh, see, at this time, I mean, I, I'm I'm the type of person that even with March or Die and shit like that, I never would have given up on Motorhead because I was like, Motorhead is one of those bands where I just need their whole discography. There's a lot of bands like that that I just need everything they make, and even though they were disappointing me. Um, I was taken aback because I remember vividly. Uh, it was Headbangers Ball. Uh, that poser Ricky Ackman's there. Fucking, he's uh, he's interviewing Lemmy and Wurzel, and they're talking about, oh yeah, we got a new album, Bastards coming out, blah blah. And I'm watching this. And he goes, oh, let's world premiere a video from the new album. And I'm, oh, and you also got to remember at this time, the last thing that Motorhead released was Born to Raise Hell with Ice T and Whisper Friends. This is before Bastards came out. I know it's on Bastards, but... And I was really? Like, that, yeah. that was before before the album came out? I'm I'm almost positive it was. I, I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that that Whipper Cream uh, Ice T version of that song that appears on Airhead was, yeah. uh, was released... No, huh? no that, was, that was 94. Okay, then I'm wrong. Uh, but either way, I, at that time, I was kind of like... Well, Motorhead's Motorhead. You kind of like lost some steam. They just released my least favorite album ever. So I wasn't really expecting that. 
and they said, here's the new video for Burner. And they played the video, and I was like, holy fuck. You know what I mean? I, the last time I felt that way was when I saw Judas Priest Painkiller or, or Unholy by Kiss. You know, it's like one of those, wow, they're back type shit. You know, it's like, what the fuck is this? And this is like, I haven't heard more Ed be this fast since like The Claw. Or, you know, like, <laughs> or, or The Wolf, you know? It's like, right. it's been a while since Morehead's done such, and this is even more vicious and pummeling than both those songs combined. So, of course, I saw this and I was like, oh my God, this is fucking, and it's so angry. And and the lyrics, you know, like, oh my God, I am the truth, the liar turned around. I mean, how cool is that lyric? And then when he gets really into it, he's like, you will never hurt me. You won't put me down. This ain't no circus, and I sure don't need no clown. <laughs> That's so fucking badass. It's like, and again, it's it's just so pissed off. It's like, beat me like a hammer, baby. Stick me like a pig. Throw me in the lions, baby. Wear, wear me like a wig. God damn, man. I am only one uh, to walk into the fire. I would rather burn than let them make me a liar. I cannot be beaten. I cannot be like you. I can't not be otherwise, no matter what you do. And again, it really does, um, it really does like fucking, uh, it's like a continuation of the first song. It's another middle finger to authority. And I, I'll tell you, I listen to this and I can't, I can't help but think of Lemmy inside a fucking office at Sony Records yelling these lyrics at them, you know? <laughs> I just think, you know, I'm telling you, the first time I saw this, it fucking killed me. Like, Nicky D was the shot Motorhead needed, you know? I'm March yep. Guy. Nicky was held back as well as Aldridge because of the pressure of the record company. Where with Bastards, I feel there was no pressure. And Motorhead was allowed to be Motorhead. And with the blistering velocity of this song, you can once again, you know, see the badass, rebellious lyrics that been lacking a lot. You know, he, he kind of like, you know, no voices in the sky and shit like that. Yeah, or, or you know, cool lyrics and all. But this is like, you know, times ten. Bastards is one of the most pummeling Motorhead songs. Probably the most pummeling Motorhead songs since fucking Overkill, if you ask me. As far as like, like velocity, it's just so cutthroat and. Uh, yeah, man, and, I'm, and, I, and I am uh, proud to say that I have seen them play this live. I saw the Bastards tour, actually. Nice. Well, open for Black Sabbath, but I still saw them. And I saw them play this, and a couple other songs that I will mention. On Your Feet and On Your Knees, we played that night as well. Yes, I'll go to the next one, which is called Death or Glory. Uh, it Doesn't Let Up, another relentless song, pure motorhead, fast-moving song with lyrics of one of Lemmy's favorite subjects, World War II. You know, this is a song that is like a sped up orgasmatron. You know, a song about war, the war machine crushing all in its path, and it fits well with the music, because the music is crushing all in its path. Death or Glory is just, oh my God. And you can tell, it's pure Lemmy. Because, you know, Lemmy, and, and you know, he talks about, you know, like, uh, Fighting with Hitler and fighting with the with Russians and it's just a war machine type song, very much in the vein of orgasm drums. Uh, I love it lyrically. I love it musically. It's just a phenomenal track. What do you think, Jensen? Love this song. It's just 
freaking no joke another hard charging song it's like it starts off with machine gun fire drumming you know and it's like Lemmy believed in reincarnation I didn't know that you know like some of the stuff he talks about in here when he's describing like actually being in battle it's like it's amazing stuff I mean nobody did that you know his, his insight on like military history since he was so versed on it it's so evident here it's like uh, uh, you know you can see the audience getting up and doing a freaking mosh pit stepping around for this song at that march part you yeah. know when it, it breaks and he's injecting all, all his love here it's all his love for military history it's, and it's like you're saying it's just like a war machine that's it's like a tank rolling over you. It's you know that's what we love about Motorhead. Yeah, and the music, the music, this song, it it, it really does match the lyrics. It's like it's like a song. It's just a crushing song. It fits well. Yeah, and I like what he says at the end because he goes Aufstehen because it means yeah. get up in German. Nice, <laughs> that's awesome. What do you think, Ian? Uh, again, this is classic uh, Motorhead right here. And I always love when Lemmy sings about war because it's something he always gets behind because he was passionate about it. And and by that, I'm not saying like he's pro-war. I mean, he would always sing of the horrors of war, but, uh, you know, he would also allude to the fact, you know, war is real and war has always happened with man. And uh, But just like anybody who's passionate about something, uh, you know, when they talk about that topic, they, they put everything into it. And... You know, Lemmy's got this shit about, oh, he's a fucking Nazi, a Nazi sympathizer because of the shit he collected. But I, I honestly believe, you know, he was he just found it interesting. And it's a historian. It's yeah, and it, it, it's something you can't deny. And I love how he would write, you know, lyrics from a different perspective. And it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you agree with that train of thought or, you know, you're supporting that. But it's just showing that you are an artist and you're given, you know, an objective uh, opinion of what's going on. You know, a, a, a prime example, I, I think one of the best uh, that he did was On Snake Bite Love, uh, Labor, uh, or Joy of Labor. And, and that, that, you know, that was a saying that was, you know, above the concentration camps. And he just sings the song from a Nazi's perspective. Doesn't mean he's sticking up for it, but he's just putting himself in the shoes uh, 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 of a German soldier who's like, this is what we gotta do. You know, and uh, there's plenty of victims of war, you know, and, 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 you know, a lot of times the soldiers are just doing what they're told, whether they believe it or not, but I love how he can take these different takes of it. It's kind of like when Slayer did Angel of Death and everybody attacks him like, oh, it's pro-Nazi, and, you know, Hanneman was just like, I'm just singing about what happened. I'm not saying it was a good thing. I'm just talking about a true event. And that's how Lemmy was with his war songs. And if you really listen to it, it it tells the story, but it doesn't glorify it. It just shows for good or bad, this is what happened. And this is the nature of mankind. And, uh, and that is the genius and the beauty of the lyrics. And then musically, again, it's Motorhead back to doing Motorhead. Uh, absolutely love it. Great track. And I'll take the next one, which is I Am The Sword. Uh, again, man, 
an, another passion of Lemmy was his swords, his sword collection, and it's just back to classic Motorhead. This song really, like musically, it reminds me of Orgasmatron. I mean, not the yeah. not the title track, but the album. Uh, you know, I, I think this song would have fit perfect down there, and if you know, if you like that era, because it is Orgasmatron and rock and roll. And, uh, you know, the new studio tracks on No Remorse, it is a different beast, you know, than the original, you know, uh, Filthy Taylor or Fast Eddie Clark era. But it's still Motorhead through and through, you know. But they have very distinct eras. I mean, there's really nothing else they did that sounds like another perfect day. And then the later uh, lineup, you know, once the words will leave, the sound of Phil Campbell and Mickey D and Levy has its own unique sound while it still fits perfect within, uh, you know, the Motorhead canon. Uh, I Am The Sword just kind of, it sounds like a throwback, uh, but but vital at the same time. I really dig it. What do you think, Vincent? I love this song, too. It's like another, it's a little bit slower, but it's not any less intense. You know, it's it's still intimidating. I love the riffs. I love the lyrics. I mean, especially that part, centuries pass, dust in the wind, I shall remain shining in sin. The metal I am, the iron you feel, the song of the dead, the chorus of steel. That's fucking amazing. Amazing yeah. shit. You know? <clears throat> um, Hell yeah. The outro even sounds like upbeat, major scale stuff, but it's a cheerful song about weapons and killing. <laughs> I, I know it. He makes it work. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, favorite song on the album. I love the fuck out of this wow. song. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's crushing nice. and still continues uh, throughout the song. The fast pace, the amazing vocal melody with that menacing tone to his voice. This song, like all the others, is, is full of attitude. I can just feel some resentment, again, in the situation... Lemmy has been put through for way too long from the scumbag, you know, record companies and these songs. I think at this point, Lemmy found the right path because after Bastards, Motorhead was full on Motorhead till the end. And, um, yeah, I just love that. You know, it's just the way he sings it. It's just so... One of my favorite uh, Motorhead songs. You know, I gotta say, Bastards has, like, two songs. Yeah, about... There's two songs on this album that I would put in the top ten Motorhead songs of all time. And uh, I Am The Sword is one of them. Definitely, probably in the lower half of my top ten, but I fucking love this song. I think it's so good. It's so, it's like fresh. To me, it sounds like, you know, Motorhead doing something, you know, that sounds like Motorhead, but yet it has that little twist, because you don't really hear much. You know, Motorhead is very much like the Ramones. It's kind of like, you know, it's just one box and this is it and they don't really take too many left turns until 1916 really where i feel like because of that experience of 1916 and march of die where they did venture out of the box to be a little more commercial i think this song here i am the sword benefited from those two albums because it did bring some kind of melody to the song different than any motorhead song from the past and that's why I love it so much, because it's still heavy, hard, fast, fucking motorhead. But at the same time, it has this kind of melodic appeal, but a melodic appeal with a menacing 
demonic type voice, you know, where Lemmy's singing kind of, you know, evil. He sounds he's evil. Snarling. Yeah, he's snarling. Like, yeah, he's snarling. He's like evil and very pissed, and you can just tell it's kind of like, uh, you know, like uh, on 1916, there's that song called uh, Nightmare, um, which is a real weird song. Uh, right. Dream time, where he sounds fucking demonic on that, but it's very slow and menacing. Where he's kind of he takes that type of vibe to his voice and speeds it up to an actual melody, and that's what I love about this. It's it's got melody, but yet it's fucking dirty and evil at the same time. It's kind of like a something that contradicts each other, and it and he still makes it work perfectly. So yeah, I am the sword is definitely uh, one of my favorite motorhead songs of all time, and and my favorite song on the album. And that's pretty hard to do when you have songs like fucking Bastards and On Your Feet and On Your Knees, you know? Because those, those are just perfect songs as well. And, mm -hmm. and, and uh, Death or Glory, but... Uh... Alright, Vincent, take the next one. Born to Raise Hell. Born to Raise Hell, yeah. It's Lemmy putting boogie in your ears. You know, I could actually see strippers dancing to this song because it's a, a hell-raising type of pure motorhead call to arms, you know? It's definitely a, a drinking and a fun song coming from Motorhead, like Do the Nasty Boogie Mama, <laughs> one of the <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> you know, it's good stuff. You know, it's, it's definitely like that kind of upbeat boogie sound that they do once in a while when they get away from uh, the hard charging. But uh, definitely enjoy this one. And, and I think this is where Lemmy's heart really lies, too, with the... Uh... It's like that, you know, the old school rock and roll, but Motorhead eyes, you know? It's like Motorhead, like a Motorhead twist to it, and which they have done songs like this in the past. There's a lot of uh, boogie woogie rock and roll, but that's that's where Lemmy, you know, Lemmy was raised on that, you know? That's where he comes from, and, and um, I, I will say, but you know, I'm not a big fan of the song, I gotta tell you. I, I don't hate it, I think it's a good song, it's, it's a Motorhead tune, you know, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, from what, it, to me, it's uh, not as good as all the songs that came before it, but uh, it's still a fun song. It's not a song I would actually skip, where there are songs on this album I would skip, I'll be honest, and we're getting to them now, uh, but uh, Born and Raised Hell is where it's the first song on the album that I'm kind of like, mad about, eh. But I'm not like, ew, I'm more like, eh, you know, whatever. It's there. It's just there. You know, it's yeah. It's just, I don't know. But, you know, I, and this is a song that Motorhead would play live. You know, I, I saw them play Born to Raise Hell twice. So it, was, it did survive the set list more than one tour, but um, eh, it's just whatever, you know. And I don't know, maybe this, is, this was the one time on the album that Lenny was like, you know, hey, man, Let's let's write a single. Let's see if we can get, you know, for shits and giggles. Let's see if this one works. Let's throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. That's how I feel. This one is not. It, but but again, uh, like I said, it's where Hemi, Lemmy's heart really lies. I'm sure. I mean, everything Lemmy does was true. I mean, I'm saying that Lemmy's heart is not into stuff like Burner because the motherfucker invented that shit. But I just feel like Born and Raised Hell is kind of like. It's just there, dude. It's not. It's. I can take it. Like the song says, "Take it or leave it." You know. <laughs> I can. I can take it or leave it. 
<laughs> what do you think, uh, Ian? Um, this is one kind of used to annoy me. And, um, you know, I didn't get this out when it first came out. Uh, you know, I first heard it on the Airhead soundtrack, you know, when he's got Whitford Crane and Ice-T. Uh, definitely not a huge Ugly Kid Joe fan. I do love Ice-T. But I think what turned me off is there was almost something novelty about it. Uh, because the the version I heard was with, you know, with the other singers. And he would do this, you know, over the... He would always have special guests. I mean, there's a bunch of versions where he had Doro Pesh come out and sing it with him and as a matter of fact, Phil Campbell just did a, a show with his new band, and Dee Snyder came out and sang it with him. And there's just something a little corny about it. And, you know, I like some funny, like, I, I absolutely love Steel Panther. But yeah. to me, this, this is almost closer to, like, Andrew W.K., who I hate. You know, <laughs> it's almost like a like a, a, a forced anthem. Uh, it's cliche, kind of. Yeah, definitely, like... Uh, you know, single potential, I get that because, you know, it's kind of a like a, a party anthem and it is Boogie Woogie, which is Lemmy's Roots. It reminds me, another song that a lot of people love that I've just never been crazy about is Going to Brazil. Uh, you know, and it's kind of got that vibe. It, it is about as far as a left turn for Motorhead that you get. But you know, he would go back to this in the future. Like, one I think where he absolutely nailed the mark would be Whorehouse Blues. You know, mm -hmm. Whorehouse Blues is is perfect. And that's a nod to the past, a nod to what he grew up on. But there's just, there's a certain element of cheese here that is, like I said, is much more akin to Andrew W.K. or Twisted Sister uh, than I want on, uh, uh, you know, a Motorhead record, you know. A Motorhead record is like a pizza that doesn't even have cheese. It's just all meat. You don't mm. know, no fucking cheese, just sauce and meat. And this one's this one's got a little mozzarella on there. He uh, threw the label a bone. Yeah, and and you know, listening to it today, you know, I listened to the album like three times. Uh, I I kind of warmed up to it a little bit, but still would be you know one of my least favorites. So it's a little bit too twisted, sister. For Motorhead, for my, for my taste, um, and then I'll take the next one. Which wow, now here's here is a departure, and that's don't let Daddy kiss me. <laughs> I mean, it, oh, when, when I got this, just seeing the title, I was like, oh oh my, <laughs> <laughs> don't let Daddy kiss me. And you know, as you know, we're all similar in age range, so. We've already been through the, you know, Jamie's crying bullshit. Uh, but this is a song that I just find deeply disturbing. And, it's funny, and it's funny. That's exactly what I think. You know, you know, it, it, it it's a hard listen because it is so honest and true. I mean, you, you know, uh, I, I think Jamie's crying is much more vague, even though... I, I think we all know what Jamie's crying about is is do more to the video because you know all of us who grew up in that area you you can't hear I that was, song. I without... was confused because I'm like, dude, Jamie's crying is about a chick that got dumped by or, a guy. Or, now I know, crying, yeah, uh, Jamie's got a gun. Yeah, oh, that's right. I was like, I was like, I was what, how are you connecting? Was Jamie molested <laughs> by her dad? Now Jamie's whoa, whoa. been molested before. 
and she knows what daddy's for because she is his little his little whore his yeah. one night stand you know what was, a, Dave, what was Dave thinking about bro Jamie's crying Hubble Beverly Simile Bob Jamie's crying boy that song's disturbing now yeah, anyway, Janie's got a gun. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I, when I hear this, and like I said, it's one like I listened to once, and I was like, wow, that's just kind of too fucked up, you know? So it, it would be one I would skip. Uh, but listening to it, getting ready for the review, I was like, oh, my God, these lyrics. Uh, you know, the, the thing about it is it's just as potent as it is disturbing I mean it's actually a very well written song and this is one he didn't plan on doing himself you know because he had success you know writing for Ozzy and stuff like that he offered the song to both Joan Jett and Lita Ford because he felt a woman should sing it uh, but both of them turned it down and I can kind of see why uh, not to not to you know bash on the song but it, man it's a really disturbing thing but I appreciate his honesty and a real brutal way to tackle you know such a terrible topic you know you know being molested by you know a parent um, and I, I respect it so much but it is a hard listen but but a beautiful song Ralph what do you think uh, yeah I think it's a very disturbing song and musically not really my thing uh, I think it would it would have uh catered better to Joan Jett or Lita Ford, you know? Or like, um, you know, an artist that has many power ballads. And I know Motorhead has, you know, I Ain't a Nice Guy and Love Me Forever and stuff like that from the last couple albums. But I I was never, I've never been a fan of Motorhead ballads, except with the exception of 1916. That's like the only one I like. But, uh, and this one is probably the worst out of all of them. I, and, and Yes, the lyrics are very important to bring to the light. I'm not saying, you know, it's like, it is very important to say this, but it's it's my least favorite song on the album. It's the one I always skip because it is disturbing, dude. It's like, I don't, I don't know, to hear Lenny's voice talk about a little girl molested, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and, and I'm glad he did it, you know. I'm glad Lemmy actually did a song where, you know, he brings up such a disturbing matter. Because, yeah, I mean, even in the lyrics he says, like, it's the worst crime of all. And, you know, it pretty much is because, you know, molesting a little girl uh, fucks that girl up. Believe me, I, I, I fuck many of those girls that, when they grew up, you know. They're all fucked up in the head because they... And I, I, I've been with a lot of girls that been, were molested at a young age, and, it, and they're screwed up, you know. And, and I know some friends that were molested at a young age, uh, guys and girls alike, and, and they're all screwed up. They're just screwed up people that, you know, that never really grew up properly. And, and basically, it is kind of murdering, you know. It's like murder, because you're taking a, a child, a sweet innocent child, and you're and, and the kid even says in the lyrics the kid doesn't know what's going on but the kid knows it's wrong right. and that's really bad to put into a undeveloped brain and so lyrically you know and I did listen to the song today and it was hard to but I listened to it and I, and I paid attention to the lyrics and 
Yeah, what 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 Lenny says is brilliant. It, it's true, every fucking word of it. But again, you know, it's like, you know, it just doesn't grab. You know, it, more effective to me was uh, "Hell Is for Children" by Pat Benatar. You know, right. mus- I mean, musically yeah. it's great, and it, and it gives you the same message. You know, but Ralph, Ralph, did you ever hear the demo of this song? No. Uh, the the demo is even more stripped down, and it's actually called "Don't Let Lee Gersman Kiss Me." <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's far more disturbing. I heard... because you pi- you you picture Lee, and before he attacks his daughter, he makes her tuck in his shirt and shake his hand. Wow, it's very disturbing. Yes, sweaty Lee. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> what, what do you what do you think of this one, Vincent? This is a fucking hard song to listen to man shit i mean like ralph i've i've had someone in my life very close to me who dealt with this directly this subject matter and i'm and you know like ralph said it's it fucks people up beyond belief beyond all measure so it's brave of motorhead to do this but you know it's 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 interesting how at the start it's he's singing a cappella and he's showing like a fragile side of lemmy to show you know, to convey the song. Um, but it is a song that I, I, you know, I respect. Everything he's done on it's brilliant, lyric-wise, and, and just the delivery is amazing. But it's still, you know, it's fucking hard to listen to. It's just, yeah. it's disturbing, you know. And, and he's telling big truth here that, like, you know, people can't deny. And, like, I've, I've dealt with the repercussions of this you know, with somebody I, I cared about, and it was just, uh, you know, hearing it, it's just like, ah, uh, you know, it's that fucking, it, it's right that he's done it, but it's also, it fucking strikes a nerve in you, it's like, at least, you know, it promotes some awareness, and maybe some people will get something from it, some kind of uh, comfort that, you know, people are listening to the voices that are being abused, so, I think it was you, a, you, a brave effort. You know who can't listen to this song? Justin Childers. <laughs> I think he's singing it like, "Please let Daddy kiss me." <laughs> no, well, well, no. I mean, the fucked up thing, you know, for Justin is this shit isn't even against the law where he's from. You know, I actually think you get a merit badge for it. <laughs> is so, it which dad? Ian, which daddy will kiss me? Ian, 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 I think you're a little too drunk to catch what Vincent just said. <laughs> He said, like, Justin would say, please let daddy kiss me. <laughs> and then tool shed in the back. <laughs> oh, it's nice to talk about that homo again. I disliked him, so I would never talk about him. So now me and him are friends, and eventually I will fucking bang that ass. <laughs> fucking bend him over oh, and just take him to oh. Brown Town. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad after such a serious topic, now we can just laugh about molestation. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, if, if we think about all the all the damaged kids that the un, unpopular metal reviews, it is funny. Yeah, or opinions, of unpopular metal opinions. Anyway, um, let me take yeah. the next one. Um, Pop, popular assholes with their parents. <laughs> Uncocular opinions. Oh man, don't let. I mean, bad woman. All right, let me take this one. This is like Born to Raise Hell, but way way better. It's a fun song, it's catchy, it's total motorhead. 
I always love this song. It's a deep track, a filler perhaps maybe, but it has that groove that hits me right in the no-nos. You know, it's like now that I'm developed and everything, please let, let me kiss me, you know? I love this fucking song. This song is fucking awesome. Bad Woman is a, it's a standout track even though it is technically a filler. This is a song that they just threw together, you know, to add to the album. But this is where the album again picks up for me where the last two songs are like, eh, this one is, I think this should have, this should have came on after I Am The Sword, but you know, that's just me. But I love it. I love Bad Woman. What, what do you think, Vincent? I think you, you have a good idea there that it would have been great right after I Am The Sword. You know, it's a, it's a straight up rocker. I like it, you know. Um, it's, uh, you know, the the lyric variety that he has in here keeps you hooked. It's got, like, that little line, you might be a virgin, but you ain't brand new. Love that little part. And the, the boogie-woogie piano in there, but it's not, like, really as in your face as Born to Raise Hell. So, um, I like it. I think, I think it's a good song. It would have been nice to have it right in succession after the, as the fifth song, but, you know, got to space it out. Yeah, because the thing is, that song, it is very much in the same vein as Born and Raised Hell, but you can tell this song is not trying to, uh, you know, make it a, a hit single or something. It's more, to me, it seems more real, more to the point. When Lemmy wrote this song, I'm sure he was just like, ah, we need another song, let's just do something. And, and, and sometimes those fillers, like, really, really stand out to me. And this is one of the many fillers that... Motorhead has released that really mean a lot to me. What do you think, Ian? Uh, I, I love it, and this is a prime example of why uh, you know I take it so seriously when, when we review an album, even if it's one I know or I don't know. I listen to it multiple times because opinions will change, and this is one. The first couple listens, it just kind of uh, you know came and went, but by you know like the last time I listened to it. I realize this is actually, yes, it is a little fillerish, but this is the, to me, the definition of killer filler. It's not something that grabs you right away, but if you put on the album, you can't imagine it without it. And just a great album track, and and those are important because, I mean, yeah, it's amazing when you get like that perfect album where everything could be a single, but realistically. Not all albums are like that, and you need album tracks. And, uh, uh, you know, and this is another one. I love the demo uh, with lyrics originally written by Justin Childers' father. Oh, wow. It was called Don't Let Justin Kiss Me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, they changed it to Bad Woman, which still describes Justin Childers. Uh, a, a great track, and uh, the definition of killer filler. And I'll take the next track, which is Liar. And to me, again, this is, it's like back-to-back deep cuts. Uh, back-to-back album tracks. Absolutely love Liar. It's not, it's not on the same level of brutality as like, you know, the first four songs. But it's still, it's just a great album track. What do you think, Vincent? Fucking love this song. Um, you know, not in the way that you love all the intense, brutal, pounding Motorhead songs, but it's like a sludgy type of, you know, it was the 90s, and I think Motorhead was doing a little bit to shift their sound to make it a little current, so um, 
I think it's it's also one of um, Mickey's favorite songs. Really? Um, awesome. Yeah. I love the lyric in this song where he talks about. Uh, let me see. I got I got notes here. <laughs> He's got notes. Yeah. I was taking care of this business here. Where he's like, uh, don't show your teeth to me. I'll pull, put your teeth and feed you with them. Count on me. It's like, oof. <laughs> Lemmy is going to kick your fucking ass if you lie to him. And um, no, I just love the whole sound of it. It's very 90s, that kind of sludgy sound that was popular at the time. And, you know, kind of Soundgarden-ish the way they did that. And the way that groove hits in the middle of that song at that um you know throughout the song i mean actually i put away my third bottle right now i don't know if you guys am i the only one fucking drinking here oh no I'm, you're saying that with me in around exactly i'm, I'm like got my 13th beer I, I am sober by the way it's not okay. friday it's not a friday night taping <laughs> uh ralph what do you think of liar uh, again, like I was saying earlier, man, uh, there's two songs on the sound that I would put in my top 10 Motorhead songs of all time. This is definitely one of them, man. Liar is also like my second favorite track on the album, obviously. Uh, I actually saw them play this live one time, Sunrise Musical Theater. It was fucking hot. I was like, oh, I love, I love, love, love Liar. Um, and again, lots of this album is full of Lemmy pointing his finger at dirtbags of society. And, you know, you could say this is a concept album as the album is called Bastards. And pretty much every song, he's like, you know, bad woman, the father, don't let daddy kiss me. Border Race L is pretty much saying he's a bastard, you know? And, you know, I'm the sword. All that shit is like just pissed off fucking song. And this is probably the most pissed off song on the whole album, I think, uh, as far as lyrically goes. I love that little part where Lemmy is just hitting one note like bam, 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 bam with a drum. It's so simplistic, but you know, it's so fucking kick-ass at the same time. That simplicity is just so fucking effective to me. You know, it's like, that's what I love about Motorhead. When Motorhead does shit like that, like um, there's a song on um, uh, We Are Motorhead, it's called Stay Out of Jail. That if, yeah. you, if you listen to that song solo, just listen to the guitar solo. Listen to what's going on behind the solo. It's like just the most simplistic fucking riff, but it's so effective. And so, mm -hmm. I mean, it really does, it, it, it hurts my balls because it crushes it. It's just so fucking good. And Liar has that little bam, bam. It's just so out of left field, but at the same time, so motorhead, so simple, so real. Because that's what motor... I mean, anybody that knows Motorhead knows they are fucking real. Even when they try to sell out, it's hard for them not to sound real. You know, I may not like it, but it, do, it still doesn't sound fake. Because, I don't know, dude. And Liar is definitely a standout track along with uh, I, um, I'm the Sword. Favorite fucking song I am. I fucking adore Liar. Great fucking tune. Uh, Love this song. I'll take the next one. It's called The Lost in the ozone uh this one's filler to me it does nothing for me i really don't mind if let let me mellows but for the most part it just do, does not work for me like i said earlier you know i, I want the snotty attitude gruff lemmy vocals you know i guess i was raised 
with that until 1916. This is another one I skip. I, I'm not really a fan of Lost in Ozone, and I really don't. I don't want to expand on it too much because I love Lemmy so much and I miss him so much that, you know, I really don't want to talk bad about the guy, but I'm. this is not one of my... This is not one of my go-to uh, motor songs. Matter of fact, I, I I really don't like this one. I, I just it's not. I don't even think it sucks. I because I don't think any motorhead really sucks. You know, technically, scientifically, there's no shitty motorhead song, but there's some that do nothing for me. And I'm lost when it comes to loss in the no zone. What do you think, Ian? Um, this is one that uh, again I first discovered on the live album, and. I enjoyed it on on the live album, but when I heard the studio, uh, it really lost me. Uh, I, I get that they're trying something different, and it, it's funny that you know, like like a slower tempo song would work better live. But I definitely think. Do you have that live album, Ralph? Yes, I do. Uh, I think it works way better on that one than it does uh, studio wise. And, and, and not that it's like, you know, top fucking 50 Motorhead song to begin with, but I, I think it did work better live. Here, uh, it just seemed kind of sterile to me, and especially on an album when you already had, uh, you know, Don't Let Justin Kiss Me. Uh, <laughs> you know, to put another one on, uh, it, it's just too much. I, 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 mean, I mean, to me, you can't have two songs like that on one Motorhead album, so... I agree with you there. I don't hate it as much as you, but uh, yeah, it would be one I would skip studio. Excuse me, studio wise. What do you think, Vincenzo? It's definitely one I would skip. You know, it's a mellow, slow song. Definitely about feeling sad, and I think Mickey said it can be about being on the road. But you know, I like that heavy lyric in it where he says, "I turned to face God, but His face was turned away." I mean, that's pretty cool you know you can't expect weak lyrics from lemmy but it's definitely you know take it, it really brings it the intensity of the album down and you're kind of mellowed out but yeah it's not one i i hang around for yeah i mean that that's something i would definitely agree with is even though you know this the song is not up to snuff it, it still does have quality lyrics so i think that's important to mention All right. uh watch why don't you take the next one, Vincenzo? I'm your man. I'm the man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Isn't it I'm the man? No, I'm <laughs> I'm your man. Okay. I, I'm your man. I'm so bad, I'm going to let Vincenzo take this next track. <laughs> it's like a fine line between modern 90s sound and the mo- motorhead grooves that we know. You know, it kind of has that Led Zepp feel at the start with a sludgy, bluesy stomp. You know, I like this one. It's it's another favorite of Mickey's from what I've read. And um, I, the vocal lines match the guitar parts and the chorus. There's some nice dynamics in it. Um, sounds like uh, Lemmy's getting all sexy to have some hot love action, but could care less to come and go when he please, as, as like, you'd expect. Oh, Ralph, what do you think? Um... I'm the man is where, and it's the spoiler thing, this is where the album ends for me. Uh, I I love this song. I think it's a cool tune with a nasty mid-tempo groove. Killer, killer filler. Uh, with such a killer sound. Almost out of the box of Motorhead's song structure. But it's kind of like, you know, like 
they stick the toe out of the box and touch the ground and put it back in. Um, and I love the line where it says, can't see me, I'm the man laid in bed. Can't see me, give a damn, motorhead. That shit's awesome, dude. Uh, I love this song. Uh, I'm the man, I'm your man, I guess, is um, a cool tune. It's a great song. It's one of those songs that I wouldn't say, oh, man, this is, you know, I, I wouldn't make my top ten or anything, or it wouldn't be like, oh, if you want to check out Motorhead, check out I'm Your Man. But yeah. it is a great song for what it is on a, and an, on a on a great album with a couple clunkers for me. But uh, this is pretty much, uh, you know, this is, to me, the last highlight of this whole album. I love I'm Your Man. Who, all right. Uh, we all talked about I'm Your Man? No, no, I haven't yet. Okay. Uh, I, I, on, I dig yeah. it. I, I dig that it's different. Uh, and, and, you know, both of you brought up some great points about, uh, you know, how it, how it's straight a little bit. Uh, and it's one of those where I like having something like this on a motorhead. But, yes, you know, like, like Ralph said, he dipped his toe and then he brought it. Ooh, the water's cold. You know, it killed my boner. I'm going to bring it back in. Uh, it, it, it's good, but you don't want, uh, you know, too much of it. Um and I, I, I think that's something like the, the next couple of songs we're going to talk about um, are different. And I think it suffers that they're all stuck together. And I think if maybe there was a little bit, you know, different order. It, it's so hard with an album like this when you start out with like four fucking songs right away. Uh, you know, it kind of it kind of sets the bar too high to where maybe if you had a different track listing... Uh, it would have had more of a flow, but uh, but but I, I, I dig it. I, I dig it. Like you said, I'm not gonna tell people. Oh, you never heard Motorhead? Check this out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But not a bad track. Uh, but then we go to the next one. We bring the shake. Again, another departure. But uh, you know, my only criticism would be the pacing. I don't think it's a bad song. It's just. It comes after another song that's kind of a departure, so it's like uh, it fucks up the flow of the album. But I don't think it's a bad song. What do you think, Vincenzo? Yeah, you know, it's like the last song I could see strippers dancing to. It's like you can throw that on a strip club; it'll be perfect. Uh, we bring the shake. You know, it's a good rocker. I mean, I like the way he's harmonizing at the beginning. You know that that's interesting that he he was again branching out. And the way his vocal goes right into the chorus. It's not intense, but it's still, you know, that driving motorhead sound. You know, like that break at the end. Um, it's definitely better than that milkshake song. <laughs> you, you know, you know, Ralph's mom brings all the boys to the yard. Damn <laughs> right, it's better than yours. Mm. She could teach you. But she speaks Spanish. <laughs> that is true. My mom is such a whore. <laughs> and it's funny. You're like, oh, I can picture a stripper dancing to this. I've seen Ralph's mom dance to this whole record. And I tell you what, I love it. <laughs> it's like Labada, the forbidden dance. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't let mommy kiss me. <laughs> All right. Uh, we bring the shake. I don't think it's bad, but not something I like much either. I feel it's kind of pointless. Uh, it would be great to keep it at 10 songs. It's too, too many on this one. And to me, it's a whatever song. It's definitely fucking uh, filler to me. And 
you know, you guys are talking about, well, Mickey thinks this is a great song. I don't see anybody in Motorhead talk about this song as one of the greats. Um, again, it's like, I don't know, dude. It's, it's a, it's, I wouldn't say it's as bad as, like, Don't Let Daddy Kiss Me and, and, uh, what was the other one, Lost in Ozone, but it's not that much better than either of them. Um, I don't really care too much for We Bring the Shake. Forgive me, Lord Lemmy. Uh, I'll take the last one. Uh, it's called Devils, which I just found out today was supposed to be the title of something. I did not know that. Yes. yes. Um, opening riff is very unlike Motorhead. Not as bad as Bring the Shake, but I feel this song does not really bring it home as an awesome closer to an awesome album. Uh, I feel like this album loses steam at the end. Like, after On The Man, it's like these two songs to me are kind of like, uh, well... That was disappointing. It's like, you know, a, a great movie with a horrible ending. That's the best way I can describe Bastards. Um, I don't really care for Devils. I don't care for We Bring the Shake. I don't care for Lost in Ozone. Or uh, Don't Let Daddy Kiss Me. Born and Raised Hell, I'm kind of borderline. And the rest, Amazing Motorheads. Which makes for a great album, man. Considering they've been around as long as they have. And this is a return to form. That the songs that are good on this album are so good that I still point to Motorhead Bastards as one of the best albums they ever done. Even with the lack of, of uh, good good uh, good songs like, what, what, I just named four songs out of like 12 that, that I don't care for, but the other ones really do make up for it because they're so amazing. So uh, that's the end of my review. So what do you think of Devil's Vincent? I'm kind of right there with you. I'm, I'm not like sold on this song. I mean, it's got a nice kind of riff, but it's not really Motorhead-ish. You know, demonic possession, the conflict, confusion. You know, it, the playing's great on it. I like the vocals, but, you know, it's just... And it's got a minor key, but, a, a, you know, I mean, a major key at the end of it. He's, like, singing all positive, like, the way it sounds, upbeat, and it's about devils. It's like, I thought, okay, that's kind of funny that sounds all major and he's just angels in my heart tonight it's like ah okay all right writing the album out on that note but it's kind of hard to to rest on that after the first four songs punch you in the face you know i i i kind of disappointed by this song i expected a little bit more but you know gotta love lemon yeah yeah all right uh well, I gotta disagree with both of you. Uh, I, I I really like this song, and and I, I think it would have been a great title track. I mean, I love the title "Bastards." Uh, I believe this is the first uh, Motorhead album where uh, it doesn't have a title track. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure about that, uh, but it was changed at the last minute from "Devils" to "Bastards." Uh, I, I like it, and you know the the last couple of songs are a little bit different, and I think this is the best of the different tracks. But I definitely don't think it should have ended the album. I think this would have been a great way to end like side one, you know, and maybe take you know one of those first four you know amazing pounders and end end it with that, you know, like like I always talk about. I love that track that leaves you want more. On the sword it, it, would have been a great ending. How yeah, it fades no, out I, and everything, yeah. it would have been yeah. the perfect yeah. thing. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree, because I, I hate when, when somebody sequences an album wrong, and, and it goes out like, you know, 
I mean, I can list so many albums that like start out great and then peter out. Where you know, if you broke it up a little bit more, it would give a little bit more flow. And this is a prime example. While I do love the song, I do think it's it's not the best way to end the album. Uh, but I, I I do think it's a it's a good experimental song for them and different. I definitely enjoy it more than you guys. Uh, now I have a version that you guys don't have that has a bonus track and they did a cover of the Rolling Stones classic Jumpin' Jack Flash so I'd just like to talk about that for a minute um, I love Lemmy's vocal on it he, he sounds perfect singing it but there's just something about that Mick Taylor era of Rolling Stones that nobody can reproduce that guitar tone you know and that's my bitch about the song I mean you know musically you know it's Jumpin' Jack Flash but there's just something about that dirty Jimmy Miller produced era Rolling Stones that nobody else ever got a Telecaster to sound that way and this doesn't even sound like it's played on a Telecaster and I'm not a Telecaster guy but I mean there's just there's something about the way Keith played this that you can't reproduce and you know, there's there's certain bands that I, I have a hard time accepting covers of. You know, like the Beatles, the Stones, Pink Floyd. It's like nobody else can really do that, you know, and, and, and get the same feeling. And uh, it, it's it's not horrible, but to, to me, Jumpin' Jack Flash is all about that guitar tone. And, and this one just doesn't have it, even though I do enjoy uh, hearing the Lemmy vocal on it. Because he does give it the proper sneer that you need for that song. So, uh, uh, those of you who haven't heard it, check it out. Jumpin' Jack Flash. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or whatever. But this is our review of Bastards. And uh, it was released November 29th, 1993. Uh, it went Cupid Zarconia in Lithuania. Wow. Which means it sold like, yeah, it sold like 20 copies. Uh, <laughs> People need to go back and revisit this. Uh, it, it's important. I love that we did, uh, you know, a Motorhead album that that that's as deep as this because it doesn't get much more deep than Bastards. I mean, nobody other than the hardcores. And let let's face it. I mean, I mean they're a they're a cult band to begin with. But uh, you know, this is a a really deep album to discuss, and I hope we turn somebody on to it. You know, do I expect the numbers that we got for other more mainstream Motorhead albums? No. But I just hope, and well, I don't pray, but I hope that some listener out there listened to this and said, I'm going to check this out and, and discovers what a great album it is. And it's an important album. To me, it's like, you know, you couldn't have Sgt. Pepper without, you know, Revolver, you know, without Rubber Soul. And to me, a superior album is Sacrifice, the next album. But you couldn't get Sacrifice without Bastards. And what I love so much, I, I think they learned something here because, you know, this album was a couple tracks too many, you know, and it, it's like about 48 minutes where the next album, Sacrifice, is 36 minutes. That kicks your ass from beginning to end. How long is but Bastards? They, Bastards is like uh, 48 minutes. Okay. But, uh... You know, where uh, Sacrifice, you know, I, I think they just, they, they took what they started here 
and just trimmed off all the fat and like whipped your fucking ass. And that, I mean, I definitely recommend if you don't know it, check out fucking Sacrifice because that's amazing. I, I know some of the, the listeners on the page just by, you know, Ralph and I when we did the, the Motorhead tribute, the, the Lemmy tribute, and, you know, talking about other Motorhead records have checked out that album and they all loved it. So if you haven't heard it yet, check that out. But also check out Bastards. I, I think believe- it is an. I believe in that Motorhead tribute. Uh, I did play out of out of the sun, right from Sacrifice. I think I did. That's such uh, a man. Talk about a great left turn too. A song that's unlike Motorhead, but so heavy and so killer and such amazing fucking lyrics. Check out right. out, out of the sun, everybody. Go on YouTube and check out that one song, and then and then after that, watch the video for the title track, Sacrifice. One of the greatest Motorhead videos ever. Oh, one of the greatest Motorhead songs ever. I would put that in their top ten. Oh, yeah, and, and, me you know, too. Also, amazing tracks like Over Your Shoulder, yeah. uh, Dog Face Boy. Sex and Death. Uh, yeah, I, I know uh, uh, that, that homo Justin Childers uh, <laughs> checked out the album because of how we talked about it, and he fell in love with it. He couldn't believe how solid it was for being a later album. And, uh, you know, I hope all the other listeners, you know, check it out, but, you know, don't skip Bastards either. Uh, was produced by Howard Benson, the first of four albums. And, uh, man, it just, like we said earlier, a rebirth for Motorhead, and absolutely love it. Does anybody else have some closing thoughts on this? Yeah, there was an earlier album cover, and it was abandoned. I've never seen it, but it exists. True. Uh, The album cover that you see now was actually something, uh, the, the guy, what's his name, Joe, I'll never pronounce it right. Uh, Patagliano or whatever, or what? Yeah, uh, Petagino or whatever. Uh, you know, that did all the classic Motorhead albums. He was so upset about the March or Die cover because that's something he just doodled, and Lemmy loved it, and he was embarrassed by it. It was so bad. It is the worst Motorhead ca- uh, album cover ever. Was March or Die? Uh, uh, I, I I didn't like uh, Overnight Sensation. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. But that 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 was just a picture. That wasn't yeah, even really. I, I didn't you know, like it. I, I was like, no, no, it needs to have Snaggletooth somehow. Right, right. A uh, great album though. I do love. No, that no, album. I love that album too. But I'm just saying, I I really dislike that album cover. Right, but as far as ones that had artwork, I would say March or Die was the worst. But anyway, uh, so he was so pissed off about that. He's like, he's like, this is what it should have been, and he drew what would become the cover for Bastards and it was used in a Motorhead fanzine and uh, all of a sudden Lemmy saw that picture and loved it plus they changed the title of the album and ended up picking that so yeah I would love to see what the original Devils uh, cover would have been and I I don't know if that's online we should look that up I don't know someone's gotta have it yeah somebody's gotta have it but unfortunately they don't use Joe anymore there was a falling out between him and Lemmy um and I can't remember the last one he did. Uh, might have been We Are Motorhead was the last one that Joe did. Uh, but but I, I you know it's like I wish you know Maiden would have stayed with with Derek Riggs. You know it's like you know like peas and carrots, peanut butter and jelly. You know that shit just should have stayed together. But anyway, uh, any other closing thoughts on this? Yeah, um, Lemmy called it a record for the world that everybody are bastards that was his direct quote and uh, 
who felt yeah. the album was overlooked and uh, mostly the album not getting into the store to be bought and then this, the distribution cycle ending. And he said that um, he loved that Mickey had a lot of ideas, but sometimes too much, and I'd have to beat him with a stick to stop. <laughs> and uh, it was written on the previous tour, and also Howard Benson wrote some stuff, but Lemmy wrote all the lyrics. Nice. Very cool. I, I, uh, by the way, while you guys were talking, I went on Google Images and I typed in Motorhead Devils, and there is a really cool picture, and I'm not sure if that is the album cover, but it, it, it's like Snaggletooth in hell. Oh, oh, nice! Yeah, it looks pretty badass with a lot of fire yeah. and demons around them, and uh, it looks pretty. It looks like it's a badass album cover. So may, maybe that was it. I'm not sure. Nice. But, um, anyway, so uh, okay, so we all got a pick of the week. Yep. Uh, yes, and uh, Vincenzo, you are a guest. Give us your pick of the week. My pick of the week is a band that I love. That's a bunch of French guys that are angry as fuck, and they're called Gojira. And the song and the album of uh, the album is Magma, the newest album that they put out. Magma. Um, I don't know. Yeah. That's uh. Know, isn't, guys, isn't that Doctor Evil? Some Doctor Evil said Magma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are into them that much, but you know they're they're a new French band and um, they're heavy as fuck. But live, they're fucking amazing. The guys don't sit still on stage. They're all over the fucking place and. They're so fucking tight, it's insane. And they basically, they're like a fucking drill going through your head, and they're amazing. I love Gojira. Uh, unfortunately, they played in L.A. this week at uh, on Thursday, and they were playing at the Wiltern, which is shitty sound, but I was actually at the Devon Townsend Project and Between the Buried and Me at there, so I couldn't see that show the same night, so I was pissed off that, you know... I already had uh, tickets to Devon Townsend, and I wanted to see Gojira so bad because I love this new record. Um, new record's freaking dynamite. You know, it's a little departure from what they do, but um, not that much. But they're still tight, heavy, fierce, and fucking powerful. Nice. Very cool. I had a pick of the week, and now I can't find it. Go ahead, Ian. All right, my pick of the week. Uh, we normally don't do this, you know, something by the same band. But I'm not picking an album. I'm picking a DVD. Uh, I don't think it's out on... They did a Blu-ray version yet, but it's 25 and a live Bone Shaker by Motorhead. And this was for their 25th anniversary. Uh, it's just... It's an amazing DVD. There's special appearances by Fast Eddie Clark and Todd Campbell, Phil Campbell's son, Lemmy's son, Paul, uh, Whitford Crane, Doro Pesh, uh, Brian May from Queen, uh, Ace from Skunkanazi. Uh, it's it's a great, great DVD, an amazing concert with a great set list that really does cover, you know, the first 25 years of their career. And, uh, I mean, I've got every video that, that Motorhead's put out, and, th and this is one of the best. I really enjoy it. 25 and a live bone shaker. Uh, man. I wish everybody would have picked it up before Lemmy's death, because I know it was cheaper then. But uh, it's definitely worthwhile purchase. Check it out. Awesome, awesome. My uh, my pick of the week is uh, something from Black Label Society, which um, Black Label Society are infamous of releasing albums right after each other. Like starting with uh, Sonic Brew in 99, then 
two thousand one year later stronger than death one year later well fuck a year later after that the live album then 2012, 1919, Eternal, 2003, uh, Bless Hell Tribe, 2004, Hell, Hell uh, Hangover Music, 2005, Mafia. It's like every year a fucking release. Uh, 2006, Shot to Hell. But then they stopped. And they took a four-year break. And they came out with a very strong album that I feel is very overlooked. Because a lot of people just, they're sick. You know, I mean, come on, it's overkill. Just putting out so many albums at once. But I think you can hear uh, Order of the Black was more thought out. And I think that's a really great album with Overlord, Crazy Horse, beautiful song called the, uh, January, um, Shallow Grave. Uh, there's a lot of great songs on there that, I don't know, it just seems like uh, Zach really, really put his head to this one more than basically all the others before. And, and believe me, I love all... With the exception of Shot to Hell, which I didn't really dig that much, and, and some yeah, of, me either. Some of Mafia was kind of like subpar, but there were great songs on Mafia, like Forever Down, fucking rules. One of my favorite Jack songs. But anyway, 2010, I feel like um, Order of the Black was the one album where I don't know. It just feels like more of an album, more of a complete. Um, experience other than all the other albums you know there were you know there were a couple tunes like whatever where on order the black i don't think there is one song on there i dislike there's songs i dislike more than others on that album but i think as a whole i think it's a solid album so that is my pick of the week 2010 order the black and if you want to see a hilarious video watch the video for overlord where zach wilde oh. pretends he's bruce lee and <laughs> and he has a he has a karate match with Janet from Three's Company. <laughs> was it Janet? It, it, what the hell? Yeah. No. Him and Janet from Three's Company, how, uh, and then he ends up chopping her head off. Joyce DeWitt. Joyce DeWitt. Uh, <laughs> I, I do love that song, and I love that video. I found the album way too uh, ballad-heavy, though. That would be my only complaint, but there yeah. is some great tracks. I, I, that's the thing. I, I really do love Zach's ballad shit. But uh, well, but there's a lot of good heavy stuff on there as well, though. You know, the next two albums were more mellow, I think. Like, the song remains not the same, which is, you know, it has a lot of uh, uh, covers and stuff, but it's very, very mellow, you know. And Catacombs is kind of mellow to me. But right. I love Order of the Black. I think it's one of the better Black Label albums. And very overlooked, even by Black Label fans. They don't really... You don't really hear any of the Black... Uh, only Black... Uh, Blessed Halloween and the first two are the ones that really get all the attention, but I feel like, you know, Order of the Black is better than some of those albums. My opinion, my pick of the week. Do we have a fan of the week? Uh, well, I wanted to do something a little bit different this week, and I thought I would throw it at uh, Vincent. And, Vincent, I'd like to have you pick a fan of the week. And it doesn't matter if they've been picked before, but just... Uh, Somebody that you, you know, you, you've been on the page for a long time and, and pick somebody that you enjoy their post that you look forward to seeing, uh, you know, what they add to the page. Is there somebody you would like to pick? Well, there's a lot of people, you know, it's like interesting because I've, uh, since I'm I've here, been on... I'm right here, Vincent. I'm right here. <laughs> well, well, you're default, you know, you, you get to, you get to always be that favorite fan. <laughs> you know, but I was never I think... fan of the week. What the fuck? What the fuck, really? Ian? 
Yeah, Ian's never uh, going to be found. Ian, man, come on. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Ralph doesn't come on the page enough. <laughs> that is true. All right, you got me there. But, but you do catch a lot of shit from people. It's like you're like a shit magnet sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I catch shit from shitty people. <laughs> yeah, and no, it's like you come in sometimes and like fucking shit blows up, and it's like I don't see you. St- doing a lot of shit well, to fuck it up, but it's like... I don't know, dude. Don't it, it's the weirdest thing, and me and Ian have had this conversation before where it's like, you know, Ian and I will, like, like that episode of, of uh, Unpopular Metal Opinion, Ian was throwing down just as much as me, but now I am their poster boy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I wanted to have some fun with Whatever, you know. I mean, I'm proud of it. Like I said, and I'll say it a million times, nobody hates Dr. Fuck. Nobody, nobody, nobody hates Dr. Fuck. And what I mean about that is if you hate Dr. Fuck, you're a nobody. Thank you. <laughs> Seriously, look at that site. I mean, come on. Anyway. I can't. I was on there for five minutes and that was enough. And, and you know, just again, I sound like a broken record, but Jesus Christ, am I proud to be their enemy. I am so proud to have people like that dislike me. It's fucking glorious. I- I know I'm I'm disappointed because I'm so unpopular. Nobody even picked on me. They just picked on you. You'd, fig- you'd figure you'd figure you'd be the poster board because you're the unpopular one. <laughs> exactly. Well, you're more likable, uh, obviously. Yeah. Uh, at least, yeah. At least Adam and Eve has a place to sell butt plugs. You know? There you go. <laughs> but uh, fan yeah, of the so, week. Yeah. Um, you know who I find interesting is Albane Flippinson. How do you say his name? Yes, oh, he's, yes. The, he's the kid from Sweden, right? Yeah, yeah. he's like he's so dedicated. Yeah, he's, I, he's I like, a good kid. Yeah, I like him. I like oh. how he's like really into his shit. You know, I mean, yeah, he, he gets out it. there and he puts the, a video about uh, Vince Neil's voice and stuff. He's just, you know, he, big fan yeah, of inner pain. Yeah, he's passionate, and I love yeah. that. Yeah, man. Especially for a kid that young to be into. Uh, you, you know, uh, especially uh, you know a kid that young embracing the classic era of right. metal. Yeah, uh, and and I I believe I made him fan of the week uh, a couple months ago, but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's definitely when I see his posts, I love it because it makes me proud that you know we are reaching a different generation, and that's probably yeah. because our humor is so low brow, only kids laugh at it. But uh, uh, no, definitely a great pick. And uh, another thing I'd like to ask you, Vincent, is how how did you discover uh, the podcast? Well, my buddy Scott Stein uh, got me on it. I, I met him in real life. Yeah, yeah. I saw the pictures of you guys. Like, he put me on the list, and I was just like, what is this shit? Because, you know, I get thrown on lists all the time, but it's like I've always gotten into the stuff that went on in here. And then, like, you guys are all, like, in kind of, like, my same age range, so, like... You know, everything's on the same page. So I always like get a kick out of the shit you guys do, and of course, all the hijinks. I mean, you, even even you and I, Ralph, had an issue once with the, the Lemmy thing. Really? And like, yeah, you got pissed off that I posted the zombie Lemmy thing. Oh yeah, that was you, huh? You fucking, <laughs> you fucking prick. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's it's cool, you know, we, no, we settle that. No, no, I never got over that. Ian, why the fuck did you have this guy on the show? <laughs> I like him. You're lucky you're friends with Scott Stein, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a talk with him to punch you in the eye. 
<laughs> and then I'll be forgiven. <laughs> No, you were cool about all I that. Was, I thing. was just like really, really pissed off at that. I remember because it was like right after he died, right? Yeah, it was just, and you know, it was just something I saw online that's like, oh, hey, that's showing that he's going to fucking charge forward and keep touring even past the end, you know? But, you know, it was still a sensitive time where everybody was fucking hurting. Especially, so was, you, you know, know, when you have like this fucking oversensitive Cuban prick over here. You know, you don't do shit like that. I'm very, uh, I, have, I have a bad temper. Unless you're somebody from Unpopular Metal Reviews. Yeah, that's cute. That's funny. <laughs> that doesn't hey, offend you know. me. That, that actually makes me chuckle. Now, you uh, know, you, you could have had a little bit too much Cafe Bustello that day and, you know. You're you lucky know, I didn't ban your ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but, I, no, but you were cool about the whole thing. So, you know, it's all water under the bridge. And yeah, stuff. no, I, I, I do remember that, but it doesn't, I, I, I honestly don't. Uh, it was something that pissed me off, but I got over it. You know, it's not something. Hey, that, it wasn't. You know, it, it wasn't really. I don't know. It, it, it was bad and everything, but it was. Yeah, it was a sensitive time. You know. It was timing. Yeah. I would know? laugh about it now. Yeah. yeah. Justin Childers is back, so anything is possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that fucker better uh, behave, man. Uh, 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 something uh, that I'd like you to talk about uh, that really relates to this episode too is. You were at the Rainbow. Yes. You and you and Edwin uh, Canastracci. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you guys, did you guys meet through the show? Is that how you hooked up? Yeah, we we met through the show. It's like we have a lot of common interests in like film and um, you know uh, music. So we hooked up at one of the Rainbow events, and that's we, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because I see you guys hanging out all the time, but. What was it like at the Rainbow for that? I mean, that had to be emotional, you know. Well, the first night was fucked up because I couldn't even get in. Edwin did get in uh, at the first Lemmy Memorial. And, um, you know, it was crowded as hell. And everybody was there, you know. We were feeling the vibe of Lemmy there the whole time. And um, I couldn't get in, so he'd probably have a more insight what was happening inside because they did that closed-off type of thing where... Only certain people who were there on time got to see what was happening inside and, and talk about festivities. But we were both there at the opening and the um, introduction of the statue. And um, the statue was there like weeks before. It was in the back in, the, in a crate. I saw it. Somebody showed me that it was inside the crate. But we were there at the unveiling of the crate. And it was pretty exciting. And it was a lot more happy, less sad than the, um, you know, the... A memorial service but we did get to see it we did uh, check it out we had pictures in it around it and uh, you know it, it's interesting though because some people really have been upset like oh it doesn't look like or whatever it's like it, it's it's Lemmy it's a couple of feet from where he used to sit at the edge of the bar nice. there's like an enclosure that's that's like beside it where you can you know they let everybody take pictures next to it and stuff and I think it's well done. I think it, it, it captures him. Um, you know, everybody's a fucking critic, so they're always going to have some issue with something. But it's respectfully done. Everybody can come up and see it and take pictures next to it. And, you know, the respect for Lemmy is so strong in the rainbow, and everybody, you know, absolutely loves him. I mean, even last time we were there, Edwin and I were in the booth with the Lemmy photo of him and his Rickenbacker above us. Like, we can post that on the page, and... Um, you know, it's 
the love is strong and like they're going to keep that love going and everybody's going to keep respect for him you know till the end of time because he's affected so much of us you know and uh will always continue to affect future generations because it's just that's what he did awesome well thank you so much for being part of this dude i really appreciate it uh you know i know long time follow the show and uh and i know you're a diehard uh lemmy fan so so yeah. thank you for coming on and, and, and thank you for not posting anything that pisses Ralph off today. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Ralph. I thanks, Ian. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the plugs. What do you say? Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right. It's your podcast. Every month podcast crew along with the kiss room brings you kiss talk like no one else whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present analysis and great kiss fun hi this is ace frailey and we're listening to podcast hi this is bruce kulik and you're listening to podcast the podcast the kiss audio fanzine for your ears music's most diverse podcast Starring Luke Innes, Greg Sims Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watch It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. All right! Well, if you enjoyed this spectacular Lemmy-tastic episode, Come back next week when we have former 
Motorhead drummer Mickey D joins us in the studio. Oh, cool. And we're not even going to talk about an album. We're going to review the top ten Don Dockin wigs. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't forget, Mickey played, uh, you know, in Don's solo band. That's right. He's going to not only review the top ten, he's going to pick the one that Klaus Mind should wear now that he's drumming for the Scorpions. Yeah, that's cool. Watch him be Does biased race... and pick uh, uh, from the Ashes as his favorite wig. <laughs> I don't know. I think he might like the burning, uh, burning like a flame one. Yeah, that was. But a good we'll one. find out next week. That's my favorite one. On the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs>